deep underground the Jelly Belly Factory, Bibi is in her secret laboratory creating the weird and wild flavors of Bean Boozled. I've done it again! Is it pomegranate or old bandage? <laughs> Dare to compare. Bean Boozled, 6th edition. Are you brave enough? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So I just keep writing. I don't need no help. I don't need opinions. So don't waste my time. Then I just been living online. My city don't show me no love, and that's fine. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Mile High Pundit Podcast. Uh, just here to talk about just that fantastic avalanche win uh, tonight. I'm going to go ahead and bring on uh, my ever-present co-host, Jared Shuck. Uh, Jared, what do you think about that game tonight, man? Dude, just from everything I've been watching, and like I'm slowly catching up, um, th- this game was just... This is exactly what you want to see from from Colorado. You know, after that, after that horrible, horrible start against Vegas, and they just look sluggish, and, and we ripped them apart. I mean, everyone who I've talked to who's listened to that episode have told me, you guys were honest, and it really made us go watch and back and go, on, go back and watch that game from an objective point of view. They were horrible against Vegas. This was not the same team. This was the team we saw against Dallas and against St. Louis. I mean, this team looked so much better tonight than they have probably since the the pre-COVID strike when they were starting to really turn it on, really start to tear teams apart without Kadri, without Rantanen, without McKinnon, without Landeskog, without Grubauer, without Makar. This is what a fully healthy as lineup looks like. This is freaking scary. Yeah, and that's just that. That's you know, that's what I've been trying to stress to people. I mean, let us get healthy. You know, let, let us let us go through this COVID stuff. You know, I, we were always talking about it as more of a blessing in disguise for this team, and just just with that camaraderie that we were talking about in general too. I mean, they really showed out tonight, folks. Uh, really, just I mean. Put on a clinic as far as uh, the score itself. Uh, uh, the, the score itself. I mean, Avs won three zero. Uh, Grubauer with the shutout um, only faced fourteen shots though, and, not, and none of them, zero of those shots were high percentage. I think one. I take that back. One was there was one high percentage shot in the second period that we'll get to, but outside of that, he really wasn't tested tonight in the slightest. Oh, no, not at all. And I mean, between the two styles of, of the teams that were playing tonight was really on display from the get-go. Because we were talking about this a little bit on, on when we had our last episode on Monday, just getting into it a little bit, with, with Arizona just being more of that defensive-minded hockey team. 
and the Avs being just the polar opposite as far as just styles of play goes. I mean, it it really felt like, you know, the Avs were they, they, they were just controlling the game all night long. The way Arizona's playing reminds me a lot of when Patrick Waugh was the Avs coach for that one glorious season and then the two horrible ones transpiring after that, which then leading to Jared Bednar's horrible first season, which is no fault of his own. They remind me of Patrick Waugh in the way that Patrick Waugh's style was to win on the counterattack. Once the book yeah. was out, they were screwed. Arizona didn't have a book out on them because... I mean, let's be honest, Nashville's not a top-tier team. They're not a quality team. And Arizona was under-seeded because they had a horrible start. This is, this is the type of hockey that Jared Bednar feasts off of. He loves, team that want, loves teams that want to play on the counterattack because he's looking at it going, okay, this is going to be real easy. Oh, yeah, and just going off that too you think about just again kind of going off off my point on monday when it was like yeah you know they they did beat nashville but nashville is kind of a train wreck like uh it, it's not the most grandeur of accomplishments in the league by far like congratulations you beat nashville in a mini series um this this seven game playoff series, you know, it's going to be different for that. And and this is a Coyote squad that hasn't made the playoffs since I think 2012. Something around that time frame, I can I'll pull that Some, up right now. Somewhere around there, but I mean the Avs just have that experience, more so of just that experience of what it means to play in the postseason. And they came out gunning tonight. Arizona, I mean, give him credit, give Darcy Kemper credit where credit's due. I mean, he stopped. 37 of 40 shots and some were near impossible in my opinion he played in over his head and the abs were still able to get to him and arizona's whole identity is we will make you that they wanted the abs to get into their head their own heads today and that did not happen they, they wanted the abs to you know pepper him with shots get frustrated and then that they wanted to score off a quick counter probably in the third, have a 1-0, maybe an overtime goal type type scenario. That's Arizona's style of play. The Avs just, I mean, they took it to a man, and they just kept on going. And, I mean, out shooting them by, I mean, easily like 10 in the first. I mean, Arizona had three shots in the first. Yeah, I mean... When you're getting outshot, I, I'm already blanking on numbers. Yeah, when you're when you're getting outshot thirteen to three in the first period, I, I mean you can just tell which team knew the game started at three thirty Mountain Time and which team thought it started at seven p.m. Mountain Time. Like exactly. as, as cliche and as dumb as that sounds, you have to wonder how many times Rick Tockett went into that locker room and said, "Boys, you know the game started an hour ago, right? Hey, you guys know the game started thirty minutes ago, right?" Because this looked like nothing like any Coyotes game that I've seen this year. Like, and this is a Coyotes team that before COVID beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-3 to on home ice on, on, in Arizona. 
they were hot. They were they they were scorching hot to the point where people were afraid to play them, and I mean they didn't start out the greatest. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I mean this is one of those games where you just go, okay, is this the real Arizona Coyotes that we've been that we saw that we saw at the start of the year, who were very much so a fringe team, who through the first month and a half, two months, essentially, through the first 20 games, they didn't look like a playoff team. And then they turned it on toward the end of the season. I mean... When when they got Taylor Hall is when... And Kessel, they, that's when they really turned it on as a squad. Um, and, and Taylor Hall, in my opinion, and I, was such a non-factor that oh, yeah. he... I mean, here's a little his stat line. Zero points... He was a minus one. He was out there for the, I believe it was the, for the Rantanen goal. Yes, he, he, no, he, wait, was he? No, he was out there for the, for the Conferer goal. And so he's a minus one already. Add in, he only has one shot on goal, which that's not Taylor Hall. Like, dude's a freaking prolific sniper. He's a former Hart Trophy winner when McKinnon should have won it. Not salty, just saying. He yeah. <laughs> he gave the puck away. He only played he played 17 minutes. Essentially, he played 16:56 when we round up, and he played more than two and a half minutes on the power play and got one shot. You want to talk about a, a guy who was effectively shut down? I mean, Phil Kessel had two shots, but then he gave the puck away three times. Yeah, and you know, it 18 minutes of ice time for Phil Kessel, two two and a half minutes power play, like you were saying. But yeah, three giveaways. For Phil, you know, very unlike him. Um, the Carl Coyotes Soderberg, had more giveaways than they had shots tonight. That that's embarrassing. You can't have a game where you, where you're trying to be competitive, quote unquote competitive, when you give the puck away 18 times and only filter 14 shots on goal, and very few of them were high were high percentage shots. And of the 14, maybe two were high percentage from inside the grade A scoring area. The abs in the third period alone had four high danger scoring chances. Coyotes had three all game. Yeah, and Group was not he. He just was not tested. Uh, you know, the Coyotes never. They just they just never threatened. Um, their their whole game plan was. I think they wanted to have that more of that sit back mentality, but then it too far to that extreme. They they were not getting to the loose pucks. It was all avalanche on that aspect. Uh, I mean, the depth of us really showed tonight. When we had our third and fourth line out there, especially against the Coyotes' third, fourth people. No contest. Yeah, no, no contest. I mean, and then you remember, oh yeah, our our top two lines, you know, consist of Kadri, Ranton, and Donskoy, McCarr, Mac, Gerard, you know, talented top two lines. They really played to their full potential tonight. I think, and they they just had a standout game. The game itself just didn't, the puck just didn't really bounce their way um, until the third. Not to say that they didn't control the game, because through the first two periods, Nazem Kadri had more shots than the entire team, the entire Coyotes team. Kadri had more shots. 
and as, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, because it, it is crazy. I mean, Eric Johnson and Nazem Kadri combined had more shots than the Coyotes did. Like, you want you want to talk about a guy who looked who looks like he's rested and looks like he's ready to go, especially at at his age. It's Eric Johnson. I, I I when when I was watching just even highlights, I I quickly watched the nine minute clips and then went back and started watching some of the game too. It, it seemed like Arizona's wingers were not ready for Colorado's D to be as active as they were. I mean, Johnson was constantly jumping up in the play, constantly pinching in from the blue line, and and Arizona's wingers were just sitting there going, "Oh yeah, this is fine." It, 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 it's not. You're having a guy like Eric Johnson, who is on, who's on the other side of thirty, who is who puts up eight shots on goal. And by the way, quite a few of those were really dangerous shots. They may have been from the outside, but they were still super dangerous shots. And and Johnson still was throwing the body. He was still blocking shots, and he and he led he led all abs players tonight in ice time. And there's a reason. Because the dude was on fire tonight. You don't pull a guy off the ice who's playing that well. And, and Bednar knows that. And he played that. He played his hand perfectly and said, "Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with run with my with my top horse here." Which is kind of funny because Eric Johnson owns horses and he races them on the side. But it, I mean, Eric Johnson tonight. If, if it wasn't for JT Comfort and Nazem Kadri, Eric Johnson would have been my number one star tonight, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, Johnson. I mean, he played in over his head, like you were saying. You know, eight shots on goal, had some hits, had some blocks, uh, had a few giveaways, but but matched up with that with two takeaways. I mean, him and Makar and Gerard were our top three guys for total ice time for a reason, because Bednar did use those guys. It was apparent from the get go when we had we we started with our second line. Uh, with Gerard and I, one of the main things that I saw, even just off the first face-off, Jared, was you know Arizona would press us, and Gerard was immediately jumping into that neutral zone right before the blue. I mean, he would he was always there, just you know getting be being a pest, being that classic sort of Gerard player that 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 we've all grown to to love here and just night and day difference from, from his game against Vegas to this game. I mean, he really, really just played in over his head. I, he played well. Uh, I, I think there's a very, there yeah. And I think there's a very scary thing for Arizona. And, and, and we were talking before this and I, I think the really scary thing for Arizona is that, there were two guys for Colorado who did not register a shot tonight. That's it. Only two. And the the first one is Jonas Donskoy, which I mean, that's fine. I mean, the, the dude is mucking and grinding all night, so I'm I'm okay with Donskoy not getting a shot on goal. I mean, he had an assist. Yeah, he he had a he had a great assist on on the comfort goal. And do you, do you know who the other guy is? Other guy, actually, interesting enough, is Nathan McKinnon. That's a very scary thing for Arizona because Nathan, <laughs> he's a guy that usually gets five, six, seven a game. I, I mean, that's eas- easily five, six, or seven a game when I, he's I, on. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Like, like if you're if, if you think that, okay, you, you're thinking, all right, let's see here. So 
Miko or not Miko. Um, Nathan McKinnon's probably going to put up what five on shots an off five. night on an off night five shots. Yeah, exactly. Because the dude's the dude's an animal. I mean, and and the fact that he didn't put a single one on frame. And, and that doesn't include missed shots or shot attempts. I mean, let me put it this way. In the regular season through 69 games, Nathan McKinnon had 318 shots. He averaged he averaged 4.9 shots a game. So we'll round it up call five. He he At, leads the league in shots. Exactly. Last, last three years, I think, he has led the league in shots with... Or he's been second behind Ovechkin. That's it. Or second. Yeah, he's, he's always top two, though. I mean, he's always peppering that goal. And, and the fact that the Avs just won that game without quite arguably their best player actually i'm not even gonna say quite arguably their best player not getting a shot on goal at all through 60 minutes of play including being on the power play and still winds up two assists that should scare the living hell out of arizona because the second he gets going and and we we talked about it we talked about it uh after the vegas game Miko Ranton is going to break it at some point, and he broke it tonight. That entire line, what that de facto three-headed monster, when even though they're not playing together, the second one one breaks the dam, oh, all hell's going to break loose, and it, it's just going to be a matter of time before we see what happened in Game Three last year against Calgary, where the Avs just go banana lands on on uh, Arizona and just light them up for six or seven goals and just really either put the game put the series to bed or really put Arizona on the chopping block because while there's no true home ice advantage because the old adage is always you're never in trouble till you lose on home ice yeah and what happened last year with the abs is that they didn't lose on home ice against Calgary they lost on home ice against uh San Jose yes but San Jose also lost on home ice so it was boom chopping block there there you go it's a best of five series who cares at that point see see the turning point of the of the flames series last year was when the abs took that game two to overtime and got the win when they split that when they split that made it one one going back to Colorado I mean, let's be, you know, there's a couple great overtime games that series. Uh, towards the back half, when we really started just piling on the shots, and that's how it felt this game. The Avs were just too much for Arizona to handle. I mean, like you said, our most dangerous guy in Nathan McKinnon, despite the two the two assists i mean i still love just that saw that pass to miko on the back side easiest goal miko's gonna score and it's in a playoff game i mean what you're what you're getting right now jared and I, i'm just loving this too you're getting an abs team that is just maturing growing up kind of right right in front of your eyes a lot of that is nathan mckinnon and, and I and I, you know, I I do think that even like like, like yeah we, I mean you are we are watching guys grow up right in front of eyes Ryan Graves great example Cam McCarr great example uh, Gerard J T Confer these are guys who and, and the thing about it too I'm just looking at our roster there's not one guy in here who hasn't played in meaningful playoff games not one not one guy on the roster has not played in a playoff game Domestikov has. I mean, obviously, Jonas Donskoy last year, Belmar went to the cup final with Vegas. Yeah, Cole's been to a couple. I think the Chushkin played in a couple as well for Dallas. But the the thing that no one talks about on that that ranting and goal is 
Rantanen's finish. Because, yes, that looked like an easy tap-in, but nobody notices that he slid his, his right hand. He's a left-handed shot. His right hand's on top. He slid his yeah. top hand down, dropped to a knee, slid his left hand further down the, sh the shaft of the stick so he could get on that puck easy, easily and, and tap it in. But, I, I mean, like you said, and, and I, I mentioned it even on uh, to you before this when we were talking about the first power play goal for uh, Kadri. That cross-seam pass that McKinnon made to Rantanen early on was a oh. thing of beauty. And it was. It, it, and, and we're starting to see, and you're right, you were you're talking about the maturity of McKinnon. We're starting to see the maturity of McKinnon where he doesn't need to score goals. Early on in his career, he loved scoring goals. He wanted to score goals. The dude yeah. had 58 assists this year. I, yeah, I, I want to say that was his highest assist total of his career. Actually, it yeah. ties it for the last two years. He's had 58 the last three years. This is unbelievable. And but and this was a shortened season. So he was on pace to break that easily and easily eclipse the 100-point mark. My guess is he probably would have been around 110, 115 area. Easy. And, oh, yeah. And, I mean, just looking at the, at the shot sheet, I mean, dude, this is just absolutely insane that Kadri has both power play shots for the abs and he gets one of them in. Eric Johnson has a shorthanded shot. Nachushkin has a shorthanded shot. Graves with a shorthanded shot. JT Comfer with a shorthanded shot. I mean, yeah, I mean, we were all over them. We were all over them. Even when cause Arizona had some, some, you know, some, some power plays and, and some chances, their best chances came off the power plays. They could not get anything going five on five at all. Uh, I mean, guys like Ekman Larson played a great defensive game, but the ads were just too much. And especially when you do talk about Nathan McKinnon not having his typical Nathan McKinnon outing, that should scare Arizona to death. I mean, and can we talk about just, just a little bit? I, I love the Kadri effect on these guys because... I mean, Kadri, the Tyson Berry traded with the Leafs for Kadri might go down as one of the best moves of the season for us. That, that you know, might. You know, past, that, past couple of years, because that, yeah. the way he has just embraced his role as, because he knows he's not the top guy, you know, he knows that's Mac. But, but the way he comes in and just, he's always been that steady steady number two guy that you can talk about and believe me you don't think he's exercising some demons right now being on the Leafs all those years watching his former team lose and guess what when, when the Leafs did lose in the playoffs he was always he was always part of the you know they were always talking about him always saying hey you know why isn't Kadri doing what he can do and, and he played well for them he's a scapegoat and he was truly a scapegoat for them. So with him being on this extremely successful avalanche team, he is truly getting to play his game for the first time in I think a very long time. And it's showing out. And for the first time, he's not feeling any pressure. I, I, I fully agree with you. And I think the other really important piece is that in Toronto, he had to kind of be that gritty guy and really bring like the, the physical edge because Tor Toronto hasn't been a physical team really in the last few years. I mean, they added Jake Muzzin this year, but that was really about it. And, yeah. 
And, and Kadri's been suspended the last two years in the playoffs against Boston in the first couple games. He's, he's now, got some fire. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and now he comes into this knowing he doesn't have to be the guy who's who's trying to start start crap. He can let Zdorov do that. And Zdorov did it at the end of the game with, with former Av Brad Richardson. Like he knows he just he can play on he can play on the edge, but he knows now he cannot go over that edge because he is so valuable to that second line. And Joe Sack, and like you're saying with the with this deal for Sack, with Sackick, this might make Sackick's mantle of best trades he's ever made. I mean, that's right there with the Gerard uh, Duchesne tourist deal that literally just reshaped the Avs completely and sent Ottawa into a tailspin, and now Nashville into a tailspin as well. I mean, and and just to think about it, we're doing all of this. And we and here, here's the guys who we have scratched, by the way. Shane Bowers, Tyson Jost, Connor Timmons, Bowen Byram, TJ Tynan, Anton Lindholm, Connaughton, Logan O'Connor. I mean, these are Mark Barbario even. Like, I, I'm I'm just telling you now, if this goes to 3 nothing in the series, which if it does, I mean, count the Coyotes out. There's no way. The, the Yotes are good. Don't get me wrong. I know they are. If it goes 3 nothing, they're not coming back and winning four straight against Colorado. There's no shot. Colorado's too hot right now. If we see this go 3 nothing, I I honestly believe you see Bowen Byram get in for game four. I, I truly, truly believe that. And, and, and for a team that really has been so so hindered by their defense in the past few years Colorado's defense looks nothing like what it used to this defense reminds me of the 2001 team that won the cup against New Jersey with how talented quick and the 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 number of true puck movers that we have I mean you see Eric Johnson sending stretch passes now and jumping up in the play Ian Cole is sending Ian Cole reminds me a lot of Rob Blake and a mix of Ray Bork in the way that he's not going to let anybody get by him and he's going to do anything in his power to make sure the puck does not get past him and at Grubauer. He will give up everything in his being to to block shots. Yeah, and it's like you said, just the overall... Just overall energy... I mean, can, can we talk just the Avs fourth line today? They they played like a second line, in my opinion. <clears throat> it was just it was just one of those games where it, it truly felt like just from the way that we were moving and the way that we were getting those passes to connect and everything just looked so natural and so you could really just tell that that chemistry was was showing out and Arizona like like we were saying you know they they don't have that playoff experience the Avs do they looked like the calmer team they looked like the more aggressive team at the same time i mean it was just a thing of beauty to watch it it was hasn't even gotten going and you know he's gonna get his yeah you know he's gonna get his and 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 i loved seeing all the arizona um fans on on twitter this is why i love twitter because it just it gives me so much just just so much to look forward to when teams lose just to see what their fans have to say on twitter yeah And, and 
the the one of the biggest things I saw was they were upset that Derek Stepan got called for the interference against Pierre Edward Belmar in the third that led to the Kadri goal. I mean, guys, come on. That, when, when Stepan made that step inside back toward the goal to cut Belmar off and held him up and literally impeded his progress, that is the definition of interference. 100% of the time. I don't care if it's the playoffs. I don't care if it's the regular season. Overtime, okay, probably not getting called in the playoffs just because the rule book goes from 280 pages down to two in the playoffs, essentially. And you're pretty much calling yeah. delay of games and pucks over the glass. That's it. So, but I mean, that that didn't do anything to, no. to, the, to the course of the game because Colorado was already killing you guys in shots. I, this, was, this wasn't going to make it any better. Oh yeah, and and Stepan, you know, how, how how do you think he feels? He knows that if he would have just gone for the puck, how just let your defense actually get tried it. to make, yeah, like you know, you didn't have to do that. He loved the Avalanche's response as soon as we got that. I mean, Kadri's goal was was beautiful, but as soon. From the from the next face off, the yeah, Avs take it down there again and break it open. They score two goals in ten seconds, and then they score again in you know a minute later, minute twenty three, one two three, one two three goals. I mean, for a second there, you know, Kemper looked lost. He and then he kind of snapped back in when he gloved a shot from. I, I, I'm not sure who it was, but he gloved the shot, and then I was like, all right, he's back to normal. You know, he's back in his zone. But that minute, man, I mean, the Avs showed the league what they can do in a minute of play with a goalie as hot as Kemper without their best weapon involved. Alarm and, bells should be going off. Yeah, and I mean, and just adding on to the, to the Kadri goal really quickly, it, it 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 we said it last week on the podcast when the abs get set up and they have everybody in the right place Kadri in the middle of the diamond meet uh Landis Cognet front and then your three guys up high between McCarr uh Ranton and McKinnon they are unstoppable because those seam passes from McKinnon to Ranton and Ranton McKinnon McKinnon back to McCarr whatever it is Nobody stopping those. Makar was getting his shots through as much as he could all night. And oh, yeah. I mean, he, he only gets credited with the one shot on goal, and that was one he got through that hit Kemper and came down to Kadri. But I, you can just, once that power play got going in those round robin games, which I think was against Dallas when they really started to feel it. This was going to change the complexion of how this how this what late summer early fall is going to go for Colorado, and now we're it, it, I truly truly feel that once this ball gets rolling, now there's the seed of doubt in Kemper because Kemper was on fire leading into this. Oh, played the best game of his you know one of the best games that he that he's played recently. It's 37 shots, saved 37 shots. Just the Avs got three in on them. Yeah. And, and Arizona, Arizona's not equipped to score that fast, especially the way they played tonight. Uh, I, uh, going back to that Twitter, that Twitter, you know, off their main account. Uh, 
I, I saw an update from them after after two after two uh, after two periods. Their social media team put out a a graphic saying who's going to get the first goal for Arizona, and I commented on it and I said Kadri. Jesus, tell, tell me tomorrow's winning lottery numbers too um, while you're out. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna be pulling that uh, stunt, you better tell me the winning I, lottery numbers. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, I might, I might swing by. You never know. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I thought that just the way he was playing, just the way that he, you know, things come to those who work hard on the ice. And Kadri was the essence of that tonight. I think he was the Avs' best forward tonight. Not taking anything away from McKinnon or Rantanen, who had himself one pretty game as well you know had some great hits out there he looked like his old self even had his goal he even did the classic you know miko one knee i love it when he does that man. i mean he kind of like you said it was sort of an awkward shot but sort of just his uh his go-to but yeah just good things come to, to teams that work hard and the abs definitely looked like the team that was working the hardest out of the two squads tonight and and just in general, I mean, they they hit everything that they'd been working on. They're one for two on the power play. Yotes for were zero for two, and the few chances that they had, they had off the power play. But like you said, they were not quality shots. No, and I mean, there's there, there's tons of uh, there's just there's tons of analytics that are just going to show us that it's. It, it's very obvious how, uh, how how well Colorado played. And, I mean, you don't even need advanced analytics to see how well Colorado played. When you see 40 to 14 on shots and 13 to 18 on giveaways, I mean, Colorado's outplayed them, plain and simple. And had let's say the Coyotes don't block 22. Let's say they block half. They only block 11. That's 51 shots on goal for Colorado. That doesn't even include how many shots were attempted by Colorado. And the the fact that this game only ends up three nothing, and the Avs didn't even score until after the halfway point of the third. They, and like you said, they scored three goals in a minute twenty three, and they scored those in between the two TV timeouts. That's it. That's all it took between the ten minute mark and the six minute mark of the third. That's all it takes for Colorado to break a game open. That is a very scary thought for any team. I mean, like, like you can look at any of these games that have happened in the last two days. It probably excluding the Toronto, or not the Toronto, the Columbus Tampa Bay game because that was just a weird game. In a nutshell, it was weird. But yeah, you can you can look at basically any of these games and go, okay, which of these teams look the most dominant? And this is not me being biased. This is just my honest opinion because I've watched just about every game thus far. Colorado has looked the most dominant out of any of the 16 teams that we've seen. And that includes this Vancouver game, which is on right now. And Vancouver's up 4-2 on St. Louis. It, it, it was 2-2 all but two minutes ago. And Vancouver just popped off. And we've seen Vancouver do that. They did it against Colorado. But Colorado has consistently done it all year. I, if, you, if you want a point of reference... Look back to the game against the Nashville Predators when the Avs scored four, five goals in the second period alone, and they scored like they scored three or four in about four minutes. Yeah, this is a team that is built to once you hit hit something rolling, they're just going to run and they are going to go and go and go. And 
just really quickly, the three stars of the game as picked by the NHL was a uh, third star was Landis Cog, second car, second star was Darcy Kemper with uh, 37 saves, and then Kadri with the game-winning goal was the first star. And quite frankly, Kemper doesn't even deserve to be on here. No, he was the only reason that Arizona kept it as close as they did throughout two and about halfway through the third. Exactly. I mean, he was there. Yeah, he, I'll give him that. He, he, he was their top force. And typically when you think three stars, um, unless the Avs beat him like 7-0, you'd think that they'd give one of those stars to them that showed up to play. You know, the, the, the Coyotes did nothing to bail him out. They did not they, they left Darcy Kemper out to dry. Yep. And it, it, if Arizona really wants to get out of this series or at least get out of these first two games with for what they hope would be a series uh, a split on the first two but it, every, everything that we've seen is obviously leaning toward a a, a 2-0 start for Colorado if they want to see anything happen they've got to limit Colorado's chances down in front of net because Comfer out of his out of his three shots I, two of them we're in the softest area of the ice, which was the high slot, and nobody from Arizona picked him up. Not a single person. Comfort could have had two or three tonight easily. But like we said, Kemper was on fire. And he he had Comfort's number for the first little bit. He had Kadri's number for the first little bit. But once that dam was broken, all bets were off. Yeah, and I mean... Even before the dam was broken, the Avs, I mean, they, they <clears throat> outshot him 13-3 in the first, 15-4 to in the second, and then 12-7 to in the third. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I, in the Avs history, in the Avs playoff history, that 14, those 14 shots that Arizona faced, those measly 14 shots were the lowest output in the Avs playoff history. And, and and the forty shots that Colorado put up doesn't come anywhere close to what they had in Game Three against Calgary. But I I, I mean, change, change my mind all you want. This looks like a much different team, and this gives Jared Bednar real assurance that you know what Nieto is the guy to go with. Tyson Jost is not. He can go sit up in the stands. Yeah, and it's a classic Nieto game. You know, Nieto's out there. He's that guy that we're talking about that does like to do, you know, those. He just he flies around out there. I, I love watching him play with that fourth line. He gives them that element of just, just danger. You know, he he really. I mean, oh man, he just he looks like a like a tornado. I mean, they they all did. They, for that respect, I mean, Arizona looked like they did not know how to, how to handle them as a team. They they were ill prepared for the speed that Colorado was bringing, and they were ill prepared for the defensemen to jump up in the play as they did. And I'm just gonna say this really quick as a closing: long-haired Zadorov might be my favorite Zadorov because God is he looking good when he plays. Because I don't, I don't know if it's the hairstyle and he just needs the long hair to play better. But if you're gonna keep playing like that, Zadorov, dude, grow your hair out. Seriously, grow it. Oh yeah, it's Zadorov. You know, good-looking dude always, but you know he he played well. The, the Avs had you know they had some great hits this game too. 
Um, I talked a little bit about, about Miko, but they just had that fire, you know, had that fire under their belly. Um, and just came out and, and gave just a good old fashioned uh, shellicking of. I mean, you talked about JT Comfort for a little bit. He was seven for seven, hundred percent faceoff percentage in the defensive zone. I love that in in a forward. I mean, one for two on, uh, uh, you know, on on the four v five on on the power play, but five v five he was one hundred percent in zone. And that was something that I, I just loved seeing. And if we really want to look at it, Colorado might have the deepest center court in in the National Hockey League. I mean, you got McKinnon, Kadri, Comfer, Belmar. I, I mean, and and McKinnon will split time with Landeskog depending on what side the faceoffs on. But I mean, yeah, Com- I Comfer mean, was sixty four percent in the circle. Belmar was fifty. Kadri was fifty. I mean, you're you're winning one out of two draws, and chances are those draws are. Gonna, going to be in the offensive zone for um, McKinnon, Kadri, or Landeskog, and then probably in the D zone for Comfort because, and, and Belmar yeah. in, included in that for defensive zone. And they're going to, they're going to get in there and they're going to win those draws for you. And you're going to be able to get set and get out of the zone and not play in your own end, which is what, what, what Arizona had to do all night. And you don't think Arizona is not worried when, I mean, for a timeout there, Bednar was rolling with a line of Kadri, uh, Kadri, Landeskog, and McKinnon. I mean, there's two centers in there. It's a stick hand, lots of puck handlers, like you were saying. Lots of just people that can move. You'll have Makar and Gerard bring it up from the wings and always be getting involved. Johnson had a fantastic game. You had guys flying around the ice. You had Nico getting involved. You had Donskoy getting involved. You had... 10 different abs on the score sheet for tonight and McKinnon was only assisting. I mean, the Arizona Coyotes better get ready to play because if they don't, this could be over in four, four or five, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, and, and like I said, if Arizona's going to have a chance, they got to give, they got to give Kemper some help. Kessel's got to show up. Taylor Hall's got to show up. Clayton Keller's got to show up. They, they have to at this point because those are your those are the guys that Arizona relies on to score and Soderberg has got to do better in the circle for Arizona he has to he was a faceoff savant in Colorado he hit 36% tonight against Colorado that that's unacceptable for for a guy who they need to play the number 2 center role in Arizona and if he's not going to get it done against Kadri you you need to find someone to replace him and replace him quickly because that's just going to steamroll into a much larger issue that Arizona won't be able to dig out of. Yes, sir. And let me tell you, just props to Sackick because the departure of, of Carl Soderberg, you know, a lot of people really like he was a fan favorite. When we lost him to Arizona, people were like, oh, no. You know, I was like, okay, you know, we're – he, he was great for us in the faceoff, but it just speaks volumes about the talent that Sakic went out and got and that Bednar went out and got past couple of years. I mean, now we have guys like Kadri on on our side of things that'll win those faceoffs usually. And we don't have to rely on a guy like Soderberg. 
I mean, I'm just being blunt with it. You know, he was our main face-off guy for so long. Him and him and Barry would take a lot of them, but Duchesne, not Barry. Oh yeah, Duchesne. Um, but yeah, with with all that, you know, it's it's good to see. Like, hey, you know, grass is greener on the other side. You know, we've we've got some real talent and just that energy around him. Man, I mean, they've got the best odds right now to, to win the cup and that's from vegas that's not me being biased that is what the betters believe and for a good reason so what you're saying is i got in at the right time when i put my bet down on the abs <laughs> yes sir that's and what I, that's what i like to hear I mean, it's just yeah these these next i mean if the abs continue to play this way Because like you said, Kemper had his, he put his statement, he put his impact on the game, and it was still too much. And boy, let me tell you, if the Avs were to have faced off against the Chicago Blackhawks in this first round instead, just just watching the way that they that, that Crawford played against Vegas, the Avs would have net nine, they would have net eight, nine goals. In on Chicago as well, so Arizona's going to be the tougher matchup as far as as far as goal as goaltends concerned. But I mean Kemper, you got to think he's thinking, man, I played over my head today, and my team did not back me up. They gave they gave him nothing, a- absolutely nothing, and. How do they respond? How does a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since 2011, 2012, how do they respond to that type of adversity? uh, Honestly, what what I think will happen is that someone like Hinnestroza, Dvorak, Logan Krause, or Connor Garland comes out and tries to either A, set a physical tone, or B, take a fight early 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 in the game and try to swap momentum immediately because wow what they did tonight with 21 hits is great it didn't do anything to affect the abs last year that would have that would have messed them a little bit like it did in game one against calgary and it did for most of the series against uh as it uh, against san jose yeah and they they took their off season seriously you you know the, the people always you know, Avs are always one of the fastest teams in the league, always. The past couple of years, they've always been in that discussion as one of the fastest teams in the league. And especially adding guys like, you know, guys like Donskoy, guys like Burakovsky, guys like Kadri, um, you know, even with with adding Kale to your defense, you know, he's a big dude, um, big body. He'll put the hit on you. You got Zadora back there also. I mean, the, and I'm not even like, I mean, McKinnon put on a couple pounds of muscle off season because he looks so much stronger on the puck, just as fast, mind you, but just strong. I mean, and that goes all the way down to their fourth line that size and that speed and that versatility that they have. I mean, they would be a nightmare if I was an opposing coach and I was having the task to just figure out what to do against the Avs. 
I, I, I would not be getting much sleep tonight, my friend. The, the only way you're going to slow down Colorado right now is trapping up in the neutral zone. That is about it. That's all that's going to work against Colorado right now is if they just trap up the neutral zone and hold and, and just force Colorado to play dump and chase hockey. And there have been teams who have tried to do that. Dallas tried to do that in the regular, well, not tried, Dallas did that in the regular season. They did it. And they did it to perfection. They did. That they did. Bednar is so well prepared. I I honestly believe he took this time during during the COVID break to study all 69 games that the Avs played and found the weaknesses in which the Avs were in. I I mean, even during this training camp, he was he was lighting guys up at practice, and so was McKinnon. You want to talk about two guys who are ready to win right now and want to win? And McKinnon's won at every level. He's won World Junior, World Championships. He's won a World Cup of Hockey. Like, and, and Bednar's won in the ECHL, the AHL as head, as head coaches. These are guys who know how to win and want to win at all costs. And if, if that means that they're going to rip some heads off during practice, they're going to rip some heads off during practice. And yes, tomorrow is probably a great, a great skate. They're going to have a lot of fun and they're going to get back to business. But the game on... On, on Friday and then the game on Saturday because they play back to back. I honestly believe that Colorado goes up two nothing. They're gonna, they're going to start Francois Saturday, and Arizona is going to have no choice but to go back to Kemper on short rest because they're not going to put Aiden Hill in there. They're not. No. <laughs> you, you think Hill's ready for to face forty shots from from the likes of our guys? No way. Kemper was their ace in the hole. <clears throat> they they went with that ace in the hole tonight, and it did not work for them. I, I'll be real curious to see what they're going to do these next few games. Um, there, there's a kink in the armor, and the Avs know it. It's all about just pouncing now. Oh, yeah. And, and that was even just the main, uh, just main theme of tonight's game. As soon as we got that first goal. They went right back off the faceoff. Ten seconds later, got the second one. Boom. Minute later, third one. I mean, as soon as he showed that sign of weakness, they pounced and pounced. They did. They showed the league again. Like I said, why they should be feared in that aspect, and why they should be considered among the top teams. And they were among the top teams in, in goal differential. I mean. Will Arizona respond? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, lots of other exciting stuff going on in the league, too, as far as overtime games um, in general. Some some real wild finishes to start the playoffs, and that's what you really just love seeing when you get back to it. I mean, there's already controversies in the bubble as far as Boston, Boston's and, and Carolina's game got actually postponed to this morning. Dude, Carolina's Twitter uh, account. Whoever's running Carolina's Twitter account needs yeah, a freaking raise props. now. They need to props. raise now because that was awesome. But I will say that Tampa Columbus game was the most entertaining game I've ever seen. I, I I love playoff hockey because it gives you this constant overtime if nobody wins. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Boston Boston and Carolina played two overtimes today, which after they were complaining about uh, Tampa and Columbus hogging the ice, which was really funny. Hilarious. They now go and play two overtimes. It's like, okay, come on. Let's, let's just, let's call it, let's call it what it is. But yeah, I mean the, uh, 
the the four five in the West matchup, the St. Louis and Vancouver game is actually in the final minute now with Vancouver up four two and on a power play. So this game is essentially over. So yeah. um in the West, really quickly in the West, Vegas is up one nothing on Chicago. Um obviously the Avs are up one nothing. Uh Calgary's up one nothing on Dallas. Uh, and then Vancouver will now be up on St. Louis. So uh, the interesting oddball on that one is Calgary being up on Dallas. Um, I, I I didn't see who played the first game for. Oh, it was it it that wasn't was it. It, it wasn't uh, Bishop, but uh, Hudobin started for Dallas, who played against Colorado, and just he just looked horrible, and then looked horrible again. So, but. That'll be a really interesting game as well. Vancouver actually just scored again, so yeah, that game's over. But yeah, that and, game is wrapping up here in the books. So uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I it's gonna be interesting to see what happens after these games because once this once game twos all the game twos happen, so by the end of uh, Friday night, we're gonna have a much better idea of what everything looks like for who's, who's gonna be in it for the fight who's going to lay down exactly uh, yeah yeah 100 percent. who you have uh just curious um because i'm sure your, your western bracket is, is basically toast at this point oh, uh did did you ever did you ever pick like some some new guys for for these series that you had um or i guess what what's your takes on who's going to win these uh I, I I do have Vegas beating Chicago. I I just don't think Chicago looks good, and Lander's got a chip on his shoulder, which which would be better for Colorado anyways, because they wouldn't have to face Vegas until the cup until the conference final if they did play Vegas again. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've got Vegas in in uh, in five, and and okay. unless unless um, DeBrinket just turns it on randomly because he's been awfully quiet through these first two rounds for Chicago. Chicago's dead in the water. Um, obviously, I'm taking Colorado still. I'm still holding true to my six games, six or seven games. Six games? Seven so games, okay. I'm still holding true to that because Arizona is is sneaky. But if Colorado comes out and wins game two, dude, that's done in five, like you said, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I've got... I've got Vegas winning. I've got Vegas winning in six, though. I think Kane and Taze are going to put a little bit of pressure on them, but I think it'll go six. Um, or someone's going to step up, like, you know, Saad or Strom or, or one of those guys. Will, they'll, they'll have a few games to themselves. But I, I think Vegas will win that series overall. I think the Avs uh, will beat the Coyotes in, in five. I, I'm going to stick with that. I think, especially just with their showing tonight and with how well Kemper played, if the Avs continue to play like they did, they're not going to stop us. And uh, yeah, five games. Yeah, that, that's the the Avs haven't. That's my call for that. The Avs haven't swept a series since the early 2000s, so if Colorado gets a sweep, I will happily hang my hat on the fact that I was wrong and be very happy that the Avs swept somebody. So, all right. <laughs> um, as for the rest of the West, I've got, I've still got Dallas beating Calgary. I think Game One was a fluke, especially if they get Bishop back, because um, Bishop is kind of a, is is a pretty big game changer for Dallas. And then I actually have Vancouver beating St. Louis. St. Louis has looked horrible since coming back and with the addition of Tarasenko back in the lineup. 
Bennington looks like a shell of his former self, and Jacob Markstrom looks like a man rejuvenated in net for Vancouver. So I've got Vancouver in six. And that scares me because I... Vancouver was one of those teams that the Avs kind of had trouble with this year. Uh, I'd much rather... I'm like you. St. Louis has not looked good. I've got Vancouver just going to win that series as well. Now, just by just by what's going on there, um, the the Blues have not looked like themselves, and they have looked broken and out of sorts. Um, everyone's just kind of everyone's just kind of beating up on them, you know. It's like they have this big target on their back, and they're going to get every every team's best best hockey. Um, that being said, Calgary and Dallas, I'll have to go because Dallas, I, I feel Dallas is the more grittier team. But the Flames have that that really good, you know, when they're on, they're on. Kind of like the Avs in that aspect. So if they can take it to them, I could see the Flames wrapping it up quick or it's going to drag on. And if it drags on, I, I think Dallas gets the upper hand there. Uh, if, if it drags on, that favors Dallas. They're, they're built to, for a more physical series, which is what Calgary's trying to give them right now. And... And if it goes past five or six, if it goes past game five, that just that plays in Dallas's hands so much better than it would for Calgary. Oh yeah, yeah. You just look at the two teams. I mean, but yeah, I mean, just great getting back into great getting back into hockey. Um, Charlie Blackman did kind of. It just kind of get getting away from hockey for a little bit for this close. He 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 did get away from his uh, very nice hitting stat line. Um, Rockies did lose their first series of the year against Arizona this weekend. This week, our pitching has looked horrible. It didn't help that Blackman is now on the Schneid. He went what was over four, over five tonight. Yeah, Arnado's starting to hit well, which is a great sign. Story's still hitting well, which is obviously a great sign, but. Again, we we got to get back to good pitching, or we're gonna be back in the dumps again. And I mean, Jairo Diaz almost blew that game two nights ago against yep, he, against Arizona, but Daniel Bard came in and luckily bailed us out on a backdoor slider, which was beautiful framing by Tony Walters. But oh yeah, nonetheless, I, I'm a big fan of Tony Walters framing. But yeah, I, absolutely. Did you see what was Walters playing this game too? I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't have a chance to look at all today. So, or was it was it Diaz, maybe? It might have been Diaz, but I'm not. Uh, and Diaz had sure. some, if it, if it was Diaz, he had some sneaky frames with, with Sensatella <laughs> on the mound today. I mean, there was one where... It was Diaz, you're right. Yeah, D- Diaz had a, he had one against... Um, and I'll send, I'll send you this tweet right, right after we get off this once. Um, once this is all wrapped up here, but I mean, Sensatella just threw this nasty inside slider that looked like it was sitting square in the square. I mean, looked about as straight as you can be. And then you see Diaz glove it lower corner and the guy's on his knees. I mean, it, it literally, it was like a 94 mile an hour slider and it was just a thing of beauty the way they played it. 
but yeah, tough break for the Rockies. They do have their one and only, just because of the extrapolation of the 60-game uh, season, that they do have their one day off of the month tomorrow. So hopefully just some some time to regroup as a, as a team and uh, really just turn things around because the schedule does get tougher. Uh, a little bit down the road with the Dodgers coming up here. You got 10 games against them. Um, I'm not worried about the Houston Astros because let me tell you, that shame tour is awesome. It's in full effect right now, man. It is in full effect. I mean, Altuve... Did you see what Altuve tried to do the other night? What with the with the slamming of the bat? No, so he he tried. He's hitting so poorly. He tried to bunt to get on base and double hit the ball, <laughs> and was called out. So he hit it twice. You know, I, I think I did see that. Yeah, I did see that off a of quick. Also, another interesting stat, just concerning the Rockies, if Charlie Blackman were to go, and I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood here, <laughs> um, but if if Charlie Blackman were to go zero for his next 115 at bats. To put that into perspective, over the course of the season, he probably has about 175 bats left. Just to say, you know, let's say he gets four at bats a game. Safely. It's about 175. Um, but yeah, if he goes zero for 115, still have a better batting average than Mr. Jose Altuve. It's just. That entire organization is in shambles. They just had a hitting coach suspended for 20 games for um, screaming at um, Laureano from the A's about something about his mother. And they've already had ethics issues with the shooting scandal and stuff from the front office. Yeah. This is, and Laureano, just Laureano, had been, yeah, Laureano had been hit twice to that game. Yeah. So... That's just the kind of energy that you get with Houston right now. Quite frankly, you know, if the Rockies do get back on par with their pitching, I'm really excited to play them and show the league what we can do against that trash heap of a team. And, and one more really quick closing thing. Uh, the Nuggets did lose tonight to the Clippers. Uh, I think I believe it was 123 to, 10, to uh, 111, but the Nuggets have secured the number three seed and will play Utah in the first round. And yep. I... I, I don't think Utah has a chance because, I, I mean, Houston's better than Utah, and Houston's got one player. And yeah, right now, I mean, MPJ and Jokic and Murray just look unstoppable right now. Just as, as a three-man unit, it, they, they look really well. So Yeah, you, you cannot defend them. When all three of those guys are on, you will not be able to defend them. You will have to pick your poison, so to speak. Um, and let's be let's be honest. This is without because the Nuggets. I mean, they've been playing so well. I mean, I don't know if you caught any of their game against the Lakers, but they had they basically played well to the point where we were resting our starters for most of the second half. We had guys like Bol Bol and PJ Dozier going in the fourth quarter against the Lakers top guys in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma. They're a deep team. If they get going and they get hot and they start playing their best basketball that we know that they're capable of doing, I mean, they, they, they could make some noise in the West. 
Utah's a really nice matchup for him. Swept him this year. Swept them with that, that includes beating them on the night of a back to back with seven players. That's and and that just that's insane. I, I am really looking forward to when the NBA playoffs start next week to watch that series. And I think you're going to see uh, Mike Michael Malone really rest a lot of his top guys for this final bubble game because it, it means nothing now. It, it really does mean nothing. Yeah, seating's all locked up. I mean, so, he's going to. They're banged up anyways. I mean, I mean just, just throw caution at the wind at that point and just say, look, we're just going to rest all of our, our, our top guys and just let the youngins play. Who cares? I mean, let P.J. Dozier go out and play 35 minutes. Let Bobo play 30 minutes. Just just, just let it yeah. all hang out. And, uh, and one last thing. I know I've said that like three times already, but <laughs> something really interesting I just saw on Twitter uh, from a couple of different places, actually. They, everyone has said the same thing. The Rangers and the Blues are the only two teams who have not yet won a game inside the bubble, and the Rangers got Lafreniere. So the Blues are really in a lot of trouble right now because if, if they can't figure it out and figure it out quick, they're going to go from the number one team in the NHL to the uh-oh, and maybe this was just a one-year fluke, and then they're going to go back to the... The uh, the little blues. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, we we will definitely see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just you know, today was cool just because we had you know we had the Rockies starting it off. I I didn't see all that game because because I was doing some some work stuff in the morning. But uh, you had the Rockies play, you had the Avs play, and you had the Nuggets play. And that's how it's going to be, you know, with these bubble games. And you're going to get just an influx of... And, and they're good teams. You know, the Rockies are playing... All three teams are playing well right now. And that's what we what we just... What we love to see, you know. I, I love talking about that stuff. And uh, yeah, just... It is a great time to be in, involved in Denver sports right now. And we're we're just feeling the love from from all you guys who you know listen to us and, and and follow us on Twitter and and interact with with our with our personal accounts every day. It means you know means the absolute world to us that you know we have a a good group of people that are that are like minded individuals that are. We've you know, been recording us. for over an hour and didn't plug our Twitter one time. It, we just no. started this thing. We haven't even plugged it yet. No. That, that's crazy. It's, so. It's for me, you know, it's it's not all about that. It's for me, it's it's just about getting that good content out and truly just saying what I have to say, and and that's why I love doing this stuff with you, man. I mean, and like we said last week, we're not gonna pull any punches. We're gonna tell you exactly how it is and how we think. And and I was telling Joel before we started recording, the people who listened to last week's podcast about the ass actually said to me. You guys are right because when we go back and watch the game, we see everything you're talking about, and we we don't. Joel and I don't pull punches. We've never done that. Even when we knew each other in high school, we never pulled punches. Like, no, no, this is yeah. this is nothing. And and we just enjoy. I mean, like while we're comp- we're obviously very social distance because we're at our two own houses, but s- soon, very soon, we'll be recording in the same place. Hopefully, yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna work on that. Um, but we're also going to load up Twitch streams and get those ready to go soon. Uh, I mean, if we're recording this late at night, I don't know if Twitch streams are going to be worth it quite yet, but 
I mean, when, once we get into a spot where we can, where we can watch the game and then do a stream right after and do this podcast because we can stream and podcast at the same time through this through our setup and it, it's it, it'll just be a lot more interactive, a lot more fun. We'll take more questions. We'll be able to do all these things live. Yeah, and yeah. essentially in person, which will be great because, I, I mean, you guys have been hearing us now for 10 episodes. This was supposed to be our face reveal episode. We pushed it back, but th- yeah, this, is, this is just, this is what we love doing. We love talking about sports. We love talking about especially Denver sports because this is what we're passionate about. We love watching the Aspley. We love watching the Nuggets. We love watching the 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 Rockies and the Broncos and even the I love watching Rapids games even though it's soccer and it's ninety minutes long and it, it feels like it drags on forever I mean I love all that oh, stuff yeah. man it's yeah. it's all of it's awesome I watch the Rapids too I mean just I mean you know me I, I come from a soccer background just in general too so I, I love the game man I love the beautiful game and Rapids have had some success too we we, we can definitely touch on them just I mean I, I you know I, I hope they can get some stuff going as far as uh just what they're doing and um but yeah like jared said you know we we do it out of love for 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 the game and just for the city also and it just means so much to us that that you guys are are there with us and and uh really just taking it in and experiencing it with us because that's the most important thing you know those memories and those those bonds that you'll make while you do this too so Exactly. Well, uh, obviously, once again, if you guys have been with us for 10 episodes, we really do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we, we do see a, a, a very consistent following of listeners. We're starting to really see that consistency. We can see it on, uh, on Spotify and through Apple. We haven't seen it yet through Google Play because we haven't post, We haven't had it. It's, it's a brand new upstart that we just put it into. So we'll, I'm sure we'll start seeing all that. But like we said, if you guys have been sticking with us through these first 10 episodes, the outliers that first one, the two and a half hour, or we apologize for that. Trust us. Hasn't, hasn't happened since. Won't happen again. But It will not happen again. <laughs> and it, we just really do appreciate it. everyone who's le- who's leaving us uh, reviews on on Apple Podcasts and who's subscribing on Apple and following on Spotify. We we really do appreciate it. So, and like like we always say, if you guys have suggestions for stuff we'll, you want us to talk about, I mean, send it to send it our way on Twitter. Man, we we got our personal accounts now. We got at uh, Mile High Pundit on Twitter. So, these are all things that we can keep the interaction going. And I mean, we'll we're not gonna. We're not going to cuss and rant and everything like that, but we're going to make sure that we cover your guys' topics and and uh, and handle it as, as efficiently as possible. Yeah, and, and that's what it is all about. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before we before we wrap up tonight's episode? No, dude. I've been I worked yeah. almost twelve hours today. I'm 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 tapped out. I feel you, man. I am pretty guest as well uh but yeah to our listeners out there thanks so much for listening um again i'm joel that was my, my co-host jared there and you were listening to the mile pundit podcast episode 10 have a great rest of your week ladies and gentlemen take it easy control but i can't let it go because i'm trying to get more and i've been in a moment i've been in a zone and i'm moving alone i don't pick up the phone with my family call i've been doing it wrong and i don't know what's happening trying to get what i just been imagining getting close and i just been examining all of the fictions the game has been packaging i've been keeping real i've been doing what i feel i've been out here trying to kill every Town where 
much to the people are so close-minded. They go into school and they work in a job, but they don't even like it. I won't be put in a box. Nobody telling me what I should rock. Nobody telling me what I should drop. Cause I do what I want and just nobody don't stop. Recording till four in the morning, they snoring. I'm pouring my soul into every story. I'm writing, producing, I mix it, I master, I'm building my craft and I'm not looking back. I've been going doing things I want to do when I want to. Everybody want to get away, but they not do. Everybody want to copy you, but they not do. Everybody want to Deep underground, the Jelly Belly Factory, Bibi is in her secret laboratory creating the weird and wild flavors of Bean Boozled. I've done it again! Is it pomegranate or old bandage? <laughs> Dare to compare. Bean Boozled, 6th edition. Are you brave enough?